She was feigned as a rough fighter, and prudent men did not willingly provoke her. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans. We're three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State, share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Texas is both famous and infamous for its outlaws and bad men who operated outside the law. But did you know there were many famous women outlaws who made their way through or were actually from the Lone Star State? This week we look at Outlaw Ladies of Texas. But first, Texas Diner, meet in three. What do you get? Well, um, I'm classically trained, so um, I would have to go with chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, green beans, and sweet corn, uh, either on the cob or loose. Well, I'm going to go... Pretty, pretty yeah. traditional, I know, but mm. uh, mm-hmm. there you are. Yes, that's that's the that's the the dinner of champions. Uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, pork chops, mashed taters, candied yams, and french fries. I'm Irish. I like potatoes. What do I say? <laughs> taters. Give me taters. Lots and cream gravy on everything except the yams. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I would just run like hell. <laughs> You're you can get an liar. extra vegetable. I am not a, veg- I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not. I'll take the steak, the steak, and the steak. And that's why they call me... Three Stakes Zolkowski. <laughs> and that joke is just for my friends. <laughs> Why don't you call it? <laughs> oh, Michael Janis. That, that one's for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Texas has had its share of bandits and outlaws from John Wesley Harden to Sam Bass, from the Spanish colonial era to the 20th century. And just like anywhere else, where there are bad men, well, there are bad women. The frontier life was a hard one, even for law-abiding folks. The usual concerns about Indian raids, Mexican bandits, ruffians and outlaws, illness, disease, the unpredictable weather, lack of goods and supplies, and just the general difficulty of all life had to be dealt with by women as much as men. Many women in the West had to make choices to survive that might not always be on the morally upright path, so to speak. Some were forced into their choices by husbands or lovers, and others by circumstance. Some women chose to become professional gamblers, while others became soiled doves, living a life of prostitution, and still others became hardened outlaws and murderers. And some did all of the above. Now, of course, the most famous outlaw lady in Texas history is Bonnie Parker, but we did a whole episode on Bonnie and Clyde way back in episode 139. That's May of 2016, so go check it out. Today we're going to talk about a few of the other infamous outlaw ladies who have some connection with the state of Texas, and Texas has had plenty of them. Now, some of these women were from Texas, and some just lived here, and others just passed through or spent time here. But they all made their mark on the history of the Lone Star State. First up is Belle Star, also known as the Bandit Queen. The legend of Belle Star is bigger than the truth, which is typical, but as the famous line goes, when legend becomes fact, print the legend. The legendary bandit queen of the West only spent a little while in Texas, and the stories about her time here are conflicting, but we know that Texas plays a significant part in her myth. Belle Starr was born Myra Maybell Shirley in Missouri in 1848. She was distantly related to the infamous Hatfields through her mother. She was an educated young woman, and her father was reasonably prosperous. In 1864, the family moved to Syene, Texas, in what is today part of the Dallas suburb of Mesquite. 
There she became linked with several Missouri-born criminals, including Jesse James and the Youngers, who she knew growing up. After the war, Bell married a Missouri boy named Jim Reed. They started a family, but wouldn't stay in Texas long. Jim became an outlaw, killing a man in Arkansas, and took his family to California in 1871. The Reeds returned to Texas, and Jim became involved with several criminal gangs, including the notorious Cherokee Star Clan, as well as the James and Younger Gang. In 1874, Jim was killed in Paris, Texas, leaving Bell a widow of two small children. Allegedly, Bell was briefly married for three weeks to Charles Younger, the uncle of Cole Younger, in 1878. However, according to Cole Younger, this just wasn't true. In 1880, she did marry Sam Starr of the Starr family in the Indian Territory. There, she learned the art of horse wrestling and bootlegging, as well as bribing what little law existed in the territory. In 1883, Bell and Sam were caught and arrested, and they were tried in the hanging judge Isaac Parker's Federal District Court in Fort Smith, Arkansas. She was found guilty of robbery and served nine months in jail as a model prisoner. Sam served hard time, but was released after a few years in prison. In 1886, Sam was killed in a gunfight, and Bell's life as an outlaw queen actually ended. Now... I'm assuming that this was just the hanging judge of uh, Arkansas, since yes. uh, Judge Roy Bean was known as the hanging judge. In That's Texas. true. Yeah. <laughs> but Isaac Parker was actually a, a hanging judge. Yeah, no. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in another episode. But uh, yeah. yeah. So for the last few years of her life, despite her active criminal career being ended, gossips and scandal sheets linked Bell to a series of men with colorful names. These included Jack Spaniard, Jim French, and the famed murderer Blue Duck. She married Sam's cousin Jim July Starr in 1888 in order to keep her residence on Indian land. On February 3, 1889, two days before her 41st birthday, Belle Starr was ambushed while riding home from a neighbor's house in Eufaula, Oklahoma. After she fell off her horse, she was shot again with a shotgun to make sure she was dead. Her death resulted from those shotgun wounds to the back and neck and her shoulder and face. The motive for her murder is still in dispute. Some stories say it was a drunken, spurned suitor. Others say it was a sharecropper, her younger husband, or even one of her sons. In death, she found the fame that she apparently sought in life. Bell's story was picked up by the dime novel and National Police Gazette publisher Richard K. Fox. Fox made her name famous with the novel Bella Starr, the Bandit Queen, or the female Jessie James, published in 1889. Pictures taken of her in her outlaw gear became icons of the Old West. In the years since, Bell was featured in movies and TV shows from every era, from silent movies until today, and the subject of song, and was the subject of songs by Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, and Emmy Lou Harris. Sally Skull, Gunrunner and Man Killer. Now, while Bell Star was more legend than fact, Sally Skull, while little known now, was the real deal. Sally Skull was born Sarah Newman in Illinois sometime in the 1820s. Her family came to Texas when she was very young as part of Stephen F. Austin's original Old 300. These were the very first Anglo settlers who settled in Austin's colony. Now, as was common for the time, Sal's mother, Rachel, did most of the work on the farm while her husband worked and sometimes went off to chase Indians. According to stories, one time when the father was away, an Indian warrior showed up and tried to get in the house. He stuck his foot through a gap in the front door, 
And Rachel grabbed an axe and chopped off all his toes. On another occasion, Sally, her mother, and a sister were at home with a male visitor when some Indians were spied sneaking up a hill towards the house. Their visitor freaked out and lied that his gun was broken. I wish I was two men, he said. Then I would fight those Indians. Sally shot back. If you were one man, you'd fight them. Give me that gun. And then she proceeded to shoot and kill the Indian. When she was 16, Sally married Jake Robinson, a man twice her age, who was rarely around. When he was around, the couple were known for constantly fighting, stopping long enough to have two children. They divorced after 10 years in 1843. Two weeks after her divorce, Sally married a gunsmith named George Skull, a name she kept for life. Nobody's sure when or why, but sometime later, George disappeared. He died, Sally explained. People didn't push very hard on that point. She married again to a guy named John Doyle, who died moving horses across a fast-moving river. About his death, Sally commented, I don't give a damn about the body. She would like to have the gold in his money belt. There were rumors, however, that he died in that river because Sally had shot him. Again, nobody pushed the issue. Sally moved to a ranch in Nueces County in 1852, which is in South Texas, and became a respected and probably somewhat feared horse trader. She hired vaqueros to go with her into Mexico and bring horses back for sale. Of course, it wasn't the wild horses they were rounding up. They were usually owned by Mexican ranchers and or banditos just across the border. Texas Ranger John S. Rip Ford met her at a fair in Corpus Christi when he heard a gunshot and saw a man fall to the ground as Sally lowered her pistol. Uh, Ford wrote about her, She was a noted character named Sally Skull. She was famed as a rough fighter, and prudent men did not willingly provoke her. It was understood that she was justified in what she did on this occasion, having acted in self-defense. Don't mess with Sally Skull. In 1855, Sally married Isaiah Wadkins, and fortunately for him, the marriage ended in divorce. Just before the Civil War, she married her fifth husband by the name of Charlie Horstorf. Obviously, based on that name, everybody called him Horse Trough. During the war, Sally ran guns for the Confederacy along the border, which was infested with bandits, Indians, French troops, and Union soldiers. But that didn't seem to bother her. Accounts of the day said, quote, She wore a black dress and a sunbonnet, sitting erect as a cavalry officer with a six-shooter hanging at her belt. Skull made it through the war and made a tidy fortune as near as anybody can tell. It is known that she was charged with perjury in a Goliad court in 1866, but was acquitted. Nobody knows what happened to her after that. Skull disappeared under mysterious circumstances one day, never to be heard from again. Some thought that maybe she went to live with a relative in El Paso, but the general consensus is that Horse Trough killed her and vanished with the gold she had saved from her gun-running days. A sad end for this tough, tough lady. Lottie Denno the queen of the pasteboards. Lottie Denna was a professional gambler who was known as the Angel of San Antonio and the queen of the pasteboards. Of course, this wasn't her real name. She seems to have been born Charlotte or Carlotta Tompkins in Kentucky. Her father, who taught her how to gamble, was killed in the Civil War, and young Lottie went to Detroit, falling in with a gambler named Johnny Golden. What a great name. Johnny, I'm the gambler, Johnny Golden. 
They went together to San Antonio, Texas in 1865 after the war ended, where she fell in love with another young man named Frank Thurman, who owned a gambling parlor. Frank killed a man one day, and they took off with Lottie for the frontier forts and towns where the buffalo hunters made their trade. They wound up in the rough frontier town of Fort Griffin, uh, where eventually Johnny caught up with them. However, he turned up dead right after finding Lottie and Frank. Nobody much questioned what happened. Such was life in Fort Griffin. Lottie became a renowned gambler in her own right in that area and was popular with the rough sorts who played the games of chance. One night, she was accused of cheating, and someone suggested she change her name to Lotta De Niro. She liked the idea and started calling herself Lottie Dino. Once in the early 1870s, she allegedly got into a dust-up with Big Nose Kate, the mistress, partner, common-law wife of the one and only Doc Holliday, when Kate found the two playing cards in a saloon. Kate didn't like the idea of any competition for her loving man and started yelling at Lottie, which degenerated to the two pulling guns on each other. For once in his life, Doc played the peacemaker, stepping between the two women and calming Kate down. The incident may have been apocryphal, though Doc and Kate did work the Texas circuit, so they might have known Lottie, but it certainly added to her reputation as a cool customer. Unlike many women who operated on the wrong side of the law, Lottie had a happy ending. She and Frank eventually left Texas, and they opened their own gambling room in Kingston, New Mexico, and later ran a restaurant in Silver City, New Mexico. They were finally married in 1880 and settled in Deming, New Mexico, where Thurman became vice president of the town's bank. Lottie gave up gambling and became an upstanding citizen and helped found the local Episcopal Church. She lived in Deming for the next 50 years, dying in 1934. She is believed to be the inspiration for the famous character, Miss Kitty, on the TV show Gunsmoke. Well, these were uh, three super tough ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Belle Starr is, is pretty famous just because she had so much written about her in terms of, the, you know, the Dime Store novels. And the, those pictures of her are very, very iconic. So most, most books about the West and websites about the Old West have have that picture of her but you know she's 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 definitely the example of you know the legend being bigger than the person uh, than the actual action she you know, she was an outlaw uh you know she helped her husband and her husband's family you know with their you know horse stealing and things like that but she you know it was it was really the the stories about her that became exaggerated that became more famous so but that's that's Texas. That's the that's the old West. We're more interested in the the myth of the old West that, that, than we are really in the the fact of it. Yeah. And then and then Sally Skull is you know she's really she's the real deal. I mean, the, the, yeah. I wish I wish there's more about Sally Skull. Like that's that's the kind of person you really want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, where's our Sally Skull movie? Yeah, exactly. We should make one. A Scally Skull movie would be exceptional, but I don't know who your fantasy casting is for these women. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, the, the, the fascinating thing about Sally Skull is she's, she's an original Texan. You know, she, is, she was not born in Texas, but she's one of that group that came in to settle in, in Austin's colony, you know, and lived till past, just past the Civil War. So... That's uh, she was there for all of that. She probably knew Creed, Creed Taylor. I can tell you that. 
Who didn't? Who, Who didn't, didn't know yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Taylor? Yeah. Or she married a man named Horstroff. Horstroff's pretty great. Yeah. And then Lottie Dino. I mean, the pasteboards. So pasteboards were what they called cards at the time, if you didn't guess that. But um, she was probably a pharaoh player or a poker player of some kind. So, you know, very interesting, the, the notion of, of gambling parlors and swindling, uh, you know, swindling gamblers. I just picture, you know, I picture her Frank Thurman being uh, Jeff Goldblum in uh, Silverado. You know, I'm an honest gambler. Looking, I'm a gambler looking for an honest trade. Nice. Yeah. I think there's this image of, you know, women in the old West in like the big bustle dresses and sort of, you know, but but it was a tough life. It was a tough life for mm-hmm. everybody all around. So it was just like, you know, we we tip we tip our hats to everybody for being super tough. Yeah, I mean they they had to do what they had to do. That they, they, and often you know many of the many of the women, none of these particular women, uh, you know, were the soiled doves, so to speak. But many women indeed had to become that because. Their husbands, you know, they would come out to the West and settle and then their husbands would die or uh, their families would get sick and they'd be the only survivor and, and they'd be without prospects, as they said at the time. And so, you know, there was there was some things that women, uh, just about any woman could do. And, you know, one of those was sadly prostitution. So many women fell into that uh, into that lifestyle. Uh, and in, you know, Lottie's case, it was, you know, part of the reasons why she picked a different name was because she was part of a family that, you know, apparently she, it was written that she was decided she didn't want her family name to kind of be associated with her lifestyle. Uh, you know, the Tompkins name to be associated, you know, she was living you know with a man that she wasn't married to and was a gambler. And so the, the change of name helped with that scenario. And then in the end, you know, they became prosperous citizens you know so get on them yeah yeah i like the uh possibly apocryphal story of crossing paths with uh, the legendary doc holiday it's a pretty cool story there yeah and it could definitely have happened it probably didn't necessarily but you know there's there's a good chance doc happy <laughs> <laughs> <be> huckleberry <laughs> oh, i mean if you haven't gone back and watched a movie in a while yeah. Really, well, I you know, I mean, obviously, everyone really does prefer the the Val Kilmer version of Doc Holliday, but I I did enjoy the the Dennis Quaid version from the, the Kevin Costner uh, Wyatt Earp. Movie. I, I like both movies. They're both um, I like them both for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen Wyatt Earp. Someday, it's an exceptional Quaid performance. Yes, indeed. Yeah, who's a Texan? Tune in next week, folks, when we cover Outlaw Ladies of Texas, Part 2. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. If you love this show, we'll tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, 
please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a Come and Take It Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Thank you.